John 10 and 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Then the 10th chapter in the first verse says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth in not by the door unto the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Lord, we love you today, and thank you for your word that we are able to read and hear today. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Ghost to preach the gospel today, and I pray for all this congregation that you would touch them to receive. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody says amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. And thank you for giving to move the mission. I had forgot that they had changed it from she for Christ to move the mission. And when we first came here, we bought the old building in the back, and the roof was leaking terribly, and we applied for a $5,000 grant, but we were awarded $2,500 because nobody even knew where Glenn Ferris was, but... We got 2,500 patched the roof that was pouring water. And then different times, different times in church planting, they have helped us. Debbie and I were, uh, we were ordered, we ordered carpet for the Parkersburg church. And we didn't have the money to pay for it, so we were in the church praying, God, the carpet's on the way and we don't have any money to pay for it. We... And I told the Lord, I said, we need $2,500. And uh, went to the post office the next week, and we received a letter from the youth department. And it said, we're proud to inform you that we are sending you a check for $2,525. 25 more than what we needed. So that was a blessing, and, and it's a great a great program to give to because it really helps a lot of people. But I'd like to preach for a little while today on don't shoot the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. And um, a lot of people seem to hear voices, but I want to be able to hear that clear voice of the Holy Ghost, don't you? Pastors have a unique situation because sometimes God puts a message on their heart, and when they preach it, some people take offense to it, and they think they're being picked on. I have preached revival and had people to come up to me and say, I really got mad at you when you were preaching because I knew you were singling me out and picking on me, and then I realized you didn't even know me. And that the pastor didn't even know me. He said, and he said, when I realized that, I came to the altar and repented because I knew that God was talking to me. The Bible says, how can you hear except you have a preacher? And how can he preach except you be sent? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. And the Bible says explicitly that if you hear anything from God, you're going to hear it through his prophets. And I want to always be open to that clear 
voice. I want God to speak to me. There was a, a young man that we used to go to church with when he grew up at the lighthouse, and he years later he backslid, and, and he moved to North Carolina. And, and he was praying and seeking God, and God told him to go to a certain street in Durham, North Carolina. And, uh, and he went, and he told him to go to a certain street corner, and there was going to be a man there that tell him what he needs to do. And when he, when he got there, what is the brother in Durham? Go there. No, not go there. Yeah, go there. Johnny, go there. And he had been praying. The Lord said, I want you to go to a certain street, and I'm sending a man there. And so they met. Praise God. That's the voice of God. I remember a lady also went to church with us. She said God told her to go to Canton, Ohio, a certain street. And, and Pastor Hurley, she, when she told him that, he said, well, what happened? She said, well, nothing happened. I just turned around and came home. That is not the voice of God. He's not the author of confusion. <laughs> In Parkersburg, a lady, a lady wanted to know where... Uh, the Adonim Belita was, and who was the missionary there. So I got the information, and she sent $8,500 to that missionary, which we were trying to get the church started, and we desperately needed it, but I didn't say anything. She said, God told her to send it. And then she told me, she said, you know, God told me you was going to tell me what to do with that money, but you didn't. God didn't tell her anything. Because if God tells you, it's going to come to pass. And this word is forever settled in heaven. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's a pilgrim's staff and a traveler's map. It's a sinner's savior. You can take it to the bank if it's written between this black covers of this book. Because his word is forever settled in heaven. Praise God. Paul began to talk to the uh, uh, Galatian church and he said, you know how thoroughly uh, through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. And my temptation was, which was in my flesh, he despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus where is then the blessedness ye spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, ye would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. And I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth. I want truth, don't you? What do we come to church for? To get our ears tickled? The Bible says that, that some people, they, have, uh, uh, they want to tickle your ears. That... Their belly is their God. That's not what we're here for today, to make you feel good and, and send you home. And I like to preach people happy. I've told him before, preach them happy today. But you can preach them happy with truth. But sometimes you have to hear to be reproved, rebuked, exhorted with all longsuffering and doctrine. I've told before, I've gone to conferences many times and I want the preacher to preach me into the altar and conviction to follow me and I want to go repent again. Yes. Tear the tear, until the tears begin to fall and, and I feel like my soul's been clean again. Yes. 
Preach me the truth. I want to hear the truth. Praise God. Murder is the killing of a person or execution or slaughter or slain or assassination or homicide or doing away with, doing in, manslaughter. And a lot of times people, they murder just like they did in the Bible. Micah, he said that uh, the Bible says, and the, the voice of the Lord came unto him. And these guys, Zechariah, they stoned him to death. In 2 Chronicles 2 and 20, or 24 and 20, because he was telling them the truth of what God had said. Jeremiah, he was put through so much. And he frequently was persecuted and prosecuted because he told the truth of the word of the Lord. Remember when they threw him in a pit? He was in the muck and the mire and finally they rescued him with rotten rags. And he said, please don't put me in there anymore. But because he preached the truth, he dreaded going and prophesying. But they set their face like a flint, the Bible says. Man, they put him in stocks and in shackles and, and he, he pleaded with the Lord to release him. And he was like Job. Job said he despised the day that he was born. Sometimes there's a message that we have to tell and, and it's not popular. But the truth is still the truth. John told Herod, he said, it's not right for you to be married to your brother's wife. Man, she hated him for that. And then when her daughter Herodias danced before the king and he said, half, half of my kingdom I'll give you because she pleased him well. He was lusting after his stepdaughter. And uh, her mom said, tell him to cut John the Baptist's head off and, and deliver it to me in a charter. So out of all the things that she could have asked for, half the kingdom, she said, I want you to cut the preacher's head off. And he was afraid because he respected John. But for oath's sake, he went and had him executed. They cut his head off and brought the head to, to his wife because she didn't like what he was preaching. <laughs> oh, God, help us. I was preaching as far as you can go in the United States, in the Upper Peninsula, and I preached the really hard message the very first service. And the superintendent told me, he said, I can't believe you preached that message the first service. Well, it's what God put on my heart. Another place I preached in another country, and, and I preached a hard message, and, and, and the guy that was over it came to me crying. He said, God sent you to me. And like I knew what was going on in his life. It wasn't me. I was just the messenger. There's been times in this church when God spoke to me in the middle of the night when I was clueless of what was going on. But he spoke to me and told me what was going on and showed me visions of, of what people were doing in their lives. And, and it's incredible. I don't have time to tell you the story, but... When I, when I told what it was, everybody that was in the vision came to me, came to me and said, was I in that? And I said, yeah, you were. And when I began to tell them, some of them began to weep and cry. Only one person listened out of seven people. 
The rest are gone today because they didn't like what the voice said. But they knew it was absolutely true. Praise God. I want to listen to the voice of God. I've had God to rebuke me in, in, in the middle of the night in dreams. I've had angels to come to me and rebuke me. I've seen angels. And, and I, I dreamed I was walking down the road and, and I was humming a, a song. I started to sing it today. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. But I was singing one of those old songs and I, I heard humming behind me and I looked and here comes a host of angels and, or there was a host of people with hoods and robes on and it made me nervous. I'd speed up and they'd speed up. I'd slow down and they'd slow down. Finally I stopped and they came up by me and one took me by the right arm and one took me by the left arm and they said, we're here. I said, who are you? And what are you doing humming the song I'm singing? They said, we're here to take you to higher heights. And we left the ground and went up in the heavens. I can't tell you how that felt. I was soaring in the beautiful blue sky with white puffy clouds and I said this is incredible I, I think I could fly by myself and they brought me back to earth and they began to he began to rebuke me and tell me what I had to do if I was going to go to higher heights I've had God to visit me before in the night and rebuke me and I was going to get involved with something with ministers and the Lord said mind your own business bam it's not always pleasant hearing from God. I've had preachers to preach and I thought, oh my goodness. I dreaded sometimes when old Brother Garlitz would come around and he seemed like his finger was that long and he'd go, ha! <laughs> Scare me to death. 14 years old, man, and he could read people's mail. But God, help me be sensitive to your voice. I want to obey your voice. Amen. Praise God. I want to obey your voice. I don't, the Bible says not to look to the left hand or to the right hand, but I will need to focus on, on things above. Maybe I will play this for you. Hold on just a second. I'll go back to Anchorage and then home. And I had a ticket in my pocket to get on an airplane. The pastor came up and he said, listen, I can save you money. I said, how's that? He said, I flew a small airplane up here and I fly a small airplane and I can take you in my little airplane and you can save your ticket. And this did not sound, I said, gee, thank you so very, very much, but I've got this ticket. We'll just make our way on home, me and this other lawyer with me. He said, no, 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 you got to do it, you got to do it. And against every better judgment I had, I said, okay. Well, we went out to the airport, took us by his little plane, and I looked at it. And I thought, well, one good thing, it's shiny. Then he walked around it. We got in. He's on the left front. I'm on the right front. The other lawyer's sitting right behind me. And he started it up. And it started up just fine. Well, we taxied out. I said, should we pray? He said, yeah, that's a good idea. We normally don't. I said, well, this time we're going <laughs> to. And I'm telling you, I prayed five, eight minutes. I prayed a long time. We went and got on the runway. He starts down the runway. The plane lifted off ever so gently, and we start climbing. And it's wonderful. 
Not a problem in the world. We started climbing and we flew probably three, four minutes. And something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me and he said, we're going in the clouds and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. I said, clouds make you do what? <laughs> now, it's been cloudy all day. And we go right up into the clouds and you can't see anything. And he looks at me and his eyes roll back in his head. And he starts mumbling and he passes out. Passed out cold. Now I grabbed him and I shook him and I said, come on, you got to wake up so I can kill you. Now we're in the clouds flying along with no pilot. And my friend in the back seat said, we're dead, aren't we? I said, there's a very good chance of that. Yes. He said, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. But there was a radio right there and I handed him the microphone and I said, start asking for help. So he's in the back seat reaching up and he said, hello, hello. We didn't know any proper radio etiquette. All we were saying was hello. And somebody answered back, hello, hello. Don't you guys know proper radio etiquette? And I said, give it to me. I said, Tell, we don't know nothing. Tell him we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane. The guy said, I'm a freighter flying out of Anchorage on the way to Tokyo. And he said, you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you? I said, tell him that's correct. Now you can understand, I am sweating bullets. He said, the first thing I'm going to do is start circling so I don't lose you. Because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore. And he said, I'm going to get Anchorage Emergency for you. And Anchorage Emergency will be the people that can maybe help you try to save your life. After about five minutes, Anchorage came on and said, we understand you have a passed out pilot. And those of you do not know how to fly that plane. We said, that's right. They said, well, the first thing we got to do is find you. And I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said. He said, my job is to get you home safe. He said, that's my job. But he said, here's the deal. If you want me to get you home safe, you got to promise me you'll obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And he said, if you're not going to obey my voice, you're going to die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disorientated you become. Finally, he said, okay, I found you. Now hear me clear. He said, you're four minutes from a mountain. He said, you're going to crash in that mountain and die. Follow my voice. I never said... I have to follow your voice? Is that reasonable? You see, I understood without his voice, I had nothing. And do you understand? Without God's voice, you have nothing. Nothing. Finally, he got us turned. And he said, I'm freezing all the traffic in the area. He said, it's going to take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage. And there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage. You're in for a rough ride. And he said, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to look at what's going on outside. I don't want you to pay attention to the storm, just my voice. He said, if you start watching the storm, you will die. But I'll take you through it. Now, because they cleared all the traffic, several pilots, those nighttime freighters, those 747s started talking to us. They said, we're praying for you, men. You're going to make it, but listen to the voice. That's the key. They said, trust the voice. Do you realize your head is full of voices and everybody in this world wants to talk to you and everybody wants to be the controlling voice? And God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice. Finally, we went through the worst of the weather, but there was still more. 
And then the voice came back and it said, now, I'm going to line you up. He said, I'm going to bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights and they're in the form of a cross. He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he's bringing us down. We still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is, stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. Finally, it all came to a stop. And the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, thanks for listening. I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Thanks for listening to the voice. Then they put us in a motel room at about four in the morning. The knock at my door. And I opened the door and a man was standing there. He said, hello, David. I said, you're the voice. You're the one who got me home. He said, I am. Do you understand one day you're going to stand before him and say, you were the voice. You're the voice that brought me home. Praise God. Praise God. It's a shame when you see people and you pastor people and and you watch voices pull them away from the truth. And you watch them. So many times I've seen them crash and burn. Their lives fall apart. Their marriages fall apart. Their children are lost without God when they were once in the ark of safety. But they listen to those voices in the world. But I always want to be able to hear the voice of the shepherd. Praise God, because I've got to make it. I want to see Jesus who died for me, the one that led me and guided me into all truth. I want to hold to God's unchanging hand. And if you look at the storms that surround you, I'm telling you what, it'll bring you down. But if you just keep your hand in the hand of Jesus, he's going to lead you safely home. Praise God. And so many times that through in the Bible, even James, the Bible says that, uh, that he killed James with the sword Herod did. And, and John the Baptist was beheaded. Elijah had to flee from Jezebel. Daniel was thrown in a den of lions. Jonah spent some time in the belly of the whale. And on and on and on, Peter was crucified upside down. Paul was decapitated for preaching the word of God. Bartholomew was filleted alive with knives and Polycarp was martyred for the gospel's sake. But they weren't the ones that was the message. They were the ones that was delivering the message. But I don't want to ever let hold of the message. Don't ever shoot the messenger. He's here because he has to give account for your souls. A lot of people don't understand. And, and I've had people in this church in the years gone by saying, you know, 
You're too, you're too old-fashioned. You need to modernize. You need to come up to the times. You know what? I serve an old-fashioned God. He's the same yesterday and today and forevermore. And I know methods change, but the message never changes. Praise God. I like, I like the old songs better than the new songs. But I'm old. I do. I like, I like when the congregation sings the hymns and everybody sings together. And, and I know I'm outdated. But I'm telling you what, it's not going to make a difference whether I make it in the kingdom or not just because I like the old or for you that you like the, the, the newer the newer, the Bible says praise him in a new song. Amen. But when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, I hope I have somebody preaching the sure word of God. Amen. But the Bible says in Ephesians 4 and 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness and all uncleanliness and greediness. But ye have not so learned in Christ. There's something that voices begin to speak to people and they want to do a little this and they want to do a little that. Things that used to be immoral to them are not immoral anymore. Things that used to be sin seem not to be sin anymore. But sin, old Brother Hudnall used to sing. The Brother Hudnall that used to be here, his dad used to sing. Sin, 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 I don't care who it's in. You'll never go to heaven in your sin. And he'd point at the song leader and he'd say, if sin's in the song leader, I don't care who it's in. And then Brother Hurley used to squirm when he'd point at He said, if the sin's in the pastor. You can look in the mirror. If sin's in you, it doesn't make any difference. You'll never go to heaven in your sin. So preach to me the unadulterated word of the Almighty God because I've got to make it. Praise God. It's amazing how people can change. I remember Doc Morgan that used to come to church here. He said when he was in med school and the first time he walked in when they had the, the, the bodies laying in formaldehyde on the table, he said he passed out right there in the floor. He said, but it wasn't long till they were throwing body parts at each other. How do you get that way? When I moved in the old building out back when we had the old schoolhouse, the train would come through all hours of the night and he would lay that horn Years later, when David went to work at Fola, the guy said, man, we go through Glen Ferris and we wake everybody up there purposely. But I remember I'd jump out of the bed. It would scare me so bad because our bedroom was right beside the railroad track. But it wasn't long until they could blow the horn all night long and it never woke me up. Brother Morse and I stayed and some of us stayed with our Uncle Paul one time. Do you remember that? We were deer hunting in Romney and we, we stayed with him and he had a variety of clocks all in his house. He was a clock collector. And some were clack, clack, clack and some were ding, ding, ding and the cuckoo clocks and chimes and, and all night long you were wide-eyed because the noise of the clocks was so horrible you couldn't sleep. 
And I thought, how in the world do they sleep all night? And then I realized they added one clock at a time. And they got used to it. All you have to do is add one sin at a time and pretty soon you're calloused. The Bible says that their faith, they have made shipwreck. I don't want to be shipwrecked with my faith today, but I want to stand on the rock and have my mind made up. Praise God. I don't want to be led astray. The Bible says the word of God is sharp and more powerful than a, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing of the sunder. Sometimes preaching hurts. How many knows what I'm talking about? Preaching hurts. Praise God. Sometimes we get so we get so messed up in our minds and we see things that's really not there. I remember the first time I came down through uh, Nevada and we were coming on this. It seemed like the incline lasted. It was snowing in Utah. And when we got to the bottom in Phoenix, it was 100 and, 105 degrees. But the elevation changed. But when we were coming down that big hill, I looked over and I told Debbie, I said, look at that beautiful lake down there. But as we kept going and going, we never got to the lake because it was a mirage. Has anybody ever seen a mirage? I read a story about uh, an Arab god. He was leading soldiers, Egyptian troops through the desert. And there was a regiment that was they were so thirsty, they were dying of thirst. And they looked out and seen this beautiful lake. And, and they insisted that they go to the lake. And he said, no, that's not a real lake. And, and there was a conflict there. And, and people went crazy. And they actually killed the God. And they found their dead bodies. And I guess somebody recorded what had happened before they died of thirst. And all of them died because they wouldn't listen to the God. Man, I want to hear that voice. The Bible says the Holy Ghost will be that voice. It will lead you and it will guide you into all truth. Amen. You know what I'm talking about if you've got the Holy Ghost. When you start to do something that says no. No, don't do that. You ever been condemned in your heart? Praise God. I've had the Holy Ghost to condemn me many times. You can't go by your heart. I've had people time and time again say, well, I'm going to follow my heart. But the Bible says in Jeremiah 17 and 9 that the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? You can't go by what you feel on the inside. By your carnal wisdom because it will not lead you to the promised land. And of all the times that we've been through, through the years, this is the craziest times I've ever experienced when truth is absolutely falling in the street where they're calling good evil and evil good. There's no time that's been more important that you stay the course and you listen to the voice of the Word of God. Stand firm on that foundation because I've got to see Jesus. I can't follow my heart. Gentiles, the Bible says, they even did, did right even though they didn't have the law because some things are law by nature. You know it's not right to steal. 
don't you? Now they say we're wicked if we think that marriage is between a man and a woman. And God said he made male and female. That if you think there's only two genders, then you're, then you're uh, biased and evil. If you think that a baby has a right to be born, then, then you're immoral. How can people even think those things? You know why? Because their conscience is seared as with a hot iron, the Bible says. Praise God. I don't want to have my mind messed up, but I want to go by the word of the Lord. You know, they say that starfish will make a meal out of an oyster. They somehow get to mingling with the oysters and, and they think they're friendly. And, and when, the, when the oysters open up to, to eat something in the ocean, that the starfish know where the heart is and they will push that heart and kill it. And oyster fishermen know also that there's a soft spot there. If they touch it, that thing dies. So they will touch the heart and those ignorant oysters will, they will like that tickling underneath and open up wide and then they lose their lives over that. Sin feels good. But it's only for a moment. The pleasures of sin is for a season. But I'm here to tell you today, it's a good life living for the Lord. It's a good life. I listened to my daughter-in-law, Cindy, and you can see it on YouTube. Some, somebody interviewed her and she's talking about when she was a teenager how voices would speak to her and, and she was confused because there were hypocrites in the church and, and, and she began to drift away. She began to drift away and she realized after she came back to God, she said, I really didn't have a relationship with the Lord myself. She said, I was a Bible quizzer and I could quote whole books of the Bible, but I never had a relationship where I could apply them to my heart and my life. But when I fell in love with Jesus, it's a good life living for the Lord. I want to fall in love with Him so I can hear His voice. Praise God. Hallelujah. The Bible says to do all that's in thine heart. Young man... Ecclesiastes, go ahead and follow your heart. But knowest thou one thing, for all these things, God's going to bring you to judgment. I don't want to do what I want to do. I want to do what thus saith the word of the Lord. The Bible says, do you say don't steal, but yet you steal? I don't want to be that kind of preacher, but I want to follow the word of God. Hallelujah. Saul died as one that had never been anointed because he listened to greed. He wanted to be popular. He wanted to be great in his own eyes. Esau, he chose the wrong way. And the Bible says that he sought repentance carefully with tears, but he couldn't find repentance. And the Bible says that God loved Jacob, but he hated Esau because he sold his birthright for a bowl of pottage. What would a man give in exchange for his soul? You better listen to the voices. Is there going to be trouble once you come to God? There's going to be storms. Like the man said, you can't look at the storm. You have to look at the instrument panel. One guy was flying and, and said he, he, he 
he was uh, looking out and he looked like his wing was too high and, and he turned it over to level the plane. A little bit he looked and it was too high and, and, uh, and said he, this was in World War II and said he, he was so frustrated and said all of a sudden he felt his harnesses get tight and he thought, oh man, I'm forgetting what they taught me when they were training me to be a pilot to never look out the window and try to fly but always look at the instrument panel and he said when I looked I found out I wasn't only upside down but I was flying toward the enemy camp you can't go by your feelings you gotta go by that saith the word of the Lord it'll lead you and it'll guide you God send me a preacher that can say thus saith the word of the Lord man I wanna be full of the Holy Ghost how about you I do Jeremiah said the word of the Lord was a reproach unto them. The 10th verse, to whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? The word of the Lord is a reproach unto them. Were they ashamed when they committed? Nay, they were not ashamed, neither could they blush. But stand in the ways and seek and ask for the old path. Wherein is the good way? Where the lion's whelp hadn't trod, where the vultures I have not seen. There is an old path. That's the right way. I want to be, I want to be steady as she goes. Sometimes you wake up, things are bad. Christopher Columbus, when he was sailing toward America, didn't know where he was going. He'd write in his diary, today there was storms, but we sailed on. The next day, today nothing happened. No wind to blow our sails, but we sailed on. Praise God. Sail on when the water gets high. Sell on when the storms come your way. And when we're going we're gonna to reach that harbor if we stay focused on the master. Stand in the ways and ask for the old path. The Bible says in Revelation 3 and 17, Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, but I counsel thee to buy me gold that's been tried in the fire. Honey, come on to the keyboard. You know how frivolous everything is down here? Bill Gates with all of his millions. Billions. Incredible. Trump with his multi-millions. Other people homeless with nothing. But when, when, the, when it's come time to go, Bill Gates has not taken anything. Naked he came into the world. Naked he's going to return. But he's going to have to stand before God. We were coming down the road. I told my wife, I said, at the end of the road, you're going to meet God. You're going to meet God. Some people that I pastored here are dead and gone. But let me tell you, the rest of us, when we die, we're going to stand before God Almighty. I think 10,000 people die every day. 10,000 is going to die today on average. 10,000 is going to die tomorrow. Praise God. But we're going to meet God. And I want to hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. I don't want to hear him say, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never even knew you. 
Let's stand today. I want to see you saved. 3 and 19 says in Revelation, as many as I loved, I rebuked and chastened. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come to him and will sup with him and he with me. While your head's bowed, is there anything in this world that you would trade for your soul? What would I do without Jesus? Oh, he's the shepherd of my valley. Well, I know I could not make it without him. When I'm hungry, Jesus feeds me. When I'm thirsty, He's my fountain. I could not make it without Jesus. What would I do? Let me tell you something today. You can make it. I've got my hand in Jesus' hand. I'm 67 years old, getting ready to turn 68 in a couple months. I've been up the creek and over the mountain. I've had bad times and good times. Brother Zeke, I've held on to the Master's hand. Been times when I thought, oh my goodness, how can I, how can I make it through this? It's so terrible and so horrible, but... I just held on to Jesus' hand. Praise God. And he led me through and he kept me safe. And I just went through the valley and I found out I wasn't stationed in the valley. I was just changing mountaintops. <laughs>